Well, hello and welcome everybody to hello, the everybody. Uh, everybody watching, listening to the Community Christian Weekly Podcast. We are back once again. I'm Jason. Ed and Nathan are on my right and left. Hello. And uh, we're glad you guys are uh, <laughs> subscribed. It's like they didn't know what to do there for a second. My brain stopped working. I don't know what to say. I just got I'm introduced. Done. I'm done. Okay. So uh, we, we're glad for you guys watching and listening. And I want to always remind you uh, to, uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel right now. You can do that uh, so that you get these every week. And uh, if you want to listen to us on podcasts, we're on pretty much all the podcast apps now. Yep. So. Uh, and somebody had asked us this week, you know, how do I find it? Well, first of all, there's a lot, about a bunch of links in the YouTube description right now. The easiest way. That's the easiest way to find us on a podcast app. Or if you rather search, just search Community Christian Church GA. And we should be the first one to pop up there. And so on the podcast, you not only get this podcast, you get our weekly messages on Sunday delivered right to your phone as well. So, yep. Alan, speaking of that, I haven't mentioned this yet, but it would really help us if you rate and review. Yes. Oh, yeah. Be great. Five-star reviews, please. We don't yeah. know what that does, but it does yeah. something. It does. Algorithms. I've decided not to say <laughs> that this week. Oh, he didn't bring I intentionally made that a, uh, that's a February resolution of mine. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Very I'm, good. I'm sorry I'm to. A, I'm an overachiever. I'm sorry I'll to ruin that, that for you. <laughs> no, I didn't say uh, it. You, you, you didn't tell me. So, so I feel okay. good that it got me. All right. Though. So you're yeah. still good. All right. I am good. And as always, we're looking for you to send it's us like questions. like watching somebody eat a donut when you can't. Is <laughs> that think. rewarding for you? It was. It was rewarding that he felt the need to say it, okay. even though I didn't get to All right. say it. Yeah, I didn't get that reference. Never enjoyed okay. watching matter. another person eat Most food. references I make are lost on everyone. On everyone. Including okay. yourself. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's also a link in the description to send us questions, and we need you guys to do that so that we have more stuff to talk about. So. Yeah, it does help. Because, we, boy, are we lacking in stuff to we talk about. We don't have about. nothing to say. Especially <laughs> right now, guy. we don't even know if they're recording. We're just talking <laughs> in a room by ourselves, <laughs> hoping that someone's listening. Because it's so fun. It is fun. Just love to do that. But this week, we do have some questions, which thanks for sending those. We're going to get to actually two questions that you guys sent in to us. And I uh, thought they were pretty good ones, uh, stuff that actually I've, I've heard people ask before, but it's good to have a chance to, uh, um, to answer those for you. So here's the first question that got sent in to us. Uh, somebody wants to know, uh, so if I got baptized as an infant, um, do I still need to be baptized as an adult? Which is a great question. Mm -hmm. so, like so, Who's going to go first? I don't care. <laughs> so I guess my response would be is if I were talking to you face-to-face -face, is I want to make sure you and I have the same idea as an infant. If you're talking about infant like baby or before your conscious memory, like you were not involved in the decision is a decision your parents made for you, then that's a pretty easy answer for me. I also, my parents sprinkled me when I was a child, uh, you know, and I was the church they were in. Um, I wasn't a conscious part of that. And everything about following Jesus is a decision I make. It's not a decision someone else can make for me. So if that's the situation we're talking about, I would say yes. It, mm -hmm. Baptism is what we do after we've made a decision to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know for a lot of people, part of the reason that I've, I've noticed some people will ask me this question is, is they feel like by getting baptized again as an adult, they may be dishonoring something that their parents did. And, and I always try to reassure people and say, no, I, I see it the opposite way. I mm -hmm. actually see baptism as an adult as honoring the decision that my parents made because they did that for a reason. They were in hopes that you would grow up and follow Jesus and, right. and give your life to him. That was their hope and dream all along, or else they wouldn't have had you 
be baptized. And so as an adult now, I see that as a moment of now I'm fulfilling that dream that my parents had for me way back then. So I think it's an honoring thing to do. And, and I think the, the cool thing about being a part of Community Christian is that we, we see lots of adults do this. And yes. so I, I was talking with a friend of mine um, who hadn't been baptized. And um, it was one thing he said to me. He just said, you know, I feel like now I'm at the place where I want to do this, but, you know, I, I'm not young anymore. And I just don't, you know, do, do adults even get baptized? And so... Um, you know, I talked him through all the same stuff of this is just your step of obedience. Jesus was baptized. He says, you follow my example. And mm -hmm. everyone who followed Jesus was baptized that we see in the Bible. And so this is just the kind of normal part of this. And so whenever that happens for you, that like you said, it's your decision whenever that happens. And yeah. you get to that place, it, you know, you're, you're never too old. So. Yeah. And I don't want to miss the point that you just made because it's, it's still a very, you got to make sure you, we point this out that, this is a biblical example that we're following. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there were no babies baptized in Scripture, and mm -hmm. for the first several hundred years of the church, it would, just wasn't a practice. It was something that came along later. Not to say there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but it, we're, at our church, we're trying to follow the biblical example of that, and the example was that people who made decisions, people of age to make decisions, were the ones baptized. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I actually think the thing you were talking about, you said this earlier, mm -hmm. I think all, I think parents who have infants baptized, their intent is always right. Yes. And mm -hmm. we have a thing we do around Community Christian. In fact, it'll be coming up at both campuses soon where we call it child dedication. Yeah. We intentionally don't include water in it just because we want to try to be as clear as possible that it's not a baptism so yes. that any of the kids don't have that confusion later. Mm -hmm. But... It is the same thing that parents intended. It's parents making their public dedication of, I want this for my child. Mm -hmm. uh, faith in Christ matters to me. Mm -hmm. I want it to matter to them. I intend to do this. I'm asking the church to help me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we do child <coughs> dedication. It's actually parent dedication, yeah. child recognition kind of stuff at both our campuses. And I think it's a great thing. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I did it with my kids. I think it's a really, that's a good thing. And I'll also say to, to whoever asked this question, and if you have ever wondered things about baptism, we actually have a statement that we've uh, created as a church uh, with some information about baptism. And I'll tell you where to find that. If you go to your campus webpage, whether it be ashleyparkchurch.com or sharpsburgchurch.com, there's always a card there that says make a decision. And on that card, uh, is a button inside of there that says, hey, click here for more information on baptism. And when you click there, it'll take you to a document that has uh, a whole statement that uh, our church and elders came up with years ago that sort of explains the, the what and the why and all that stuff about baptism. So it, there's a lot of information in that document you might want to check out. So, Yeah, great. Okay. Second question that we have today, which is our final one uh, until we get before we get to Sunday, uh, is this. Uh, somebody wants to know, why do you think Jesus always spoke in parables rather than just be direct? I think first off of that, uh, when, I, when I read the question earlier, was uh, he didn't always speak in parables. And I think that's important. He did often speak in parables. He did often. We, have lots, we have lots of parables recorded, but I think the important part of that, too, is to notice that Jesus was often <laughs> incredibly direct. In fact, so direct it should make you a little uncomfortable. A little bit. Yeah, that when you read it and you go, oh, you know, like mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus is direct about the way we should love people, including our enemies and forgiving people. 
who have wronged us. And he's very direct. Those are just commands. Those are just mm -hmm. things we're supposed to do. And then often he did tell parables to, to paint a picture of this is, this is what it looks like or this is what God looks like or this is what the kingdom looks like. And so there were parables involved in that. Um, but it wasn't an always yeah. kind of thing. It's interesting about some of the parables, interesting to me, to interesting me. to me that, uh, you know, some of the parables are like illustrative. They're trying to, he'll make a point and then he'll tell a story that mm. we would call a parable. Like the prodigal son's that way. He's telling three stories in a row. He's already given the point, he's going to give the point which the uh, people are there. They don't like him hanging out with sinful people and all that. And he's making clear, no, God rejoices over it. And the point's really clear yeah. that yeah. that's what he's making. Then there are other ones that are like kingdom of God parables or they're parables directly pointed at the religious leaders. Yes. And I mean, they're really pointed because the religious leaders get mad at the end. So they certainly understood. They, they, weren't, they weren't cloaked kind of things yes. at all. Uh, he's making point. He's, he's doing it for, per, per, for reasons. I mean, there are often reasons why he's doing it that are, uniquely tied to that situation mm -hmm. again the bible's the bible is for us but not written to us sure. yes yeah yeah and something i heard a while back somebody was making the point of a lot of times jesus would remain uh, slightly vague on some things in order to expose the motives of mm -hmm. certain people yep. because when people would bring things to him there they had impure motives and so jesus would not often directly answer their question, but he would give just enough information to where if they were more, if they were concerned about really understanding what he was saying, they would then dig further. But if they weren't and they were just there for some other kind of motive, then the, the parable would actually frustrate them and turn them away. It was a revealing kind of thing. And, um, and then there's also this point about God that I've always often found, I don't know, it answers for me a lot of different questions that I've had about God is that Many times, a lot of people ask, you know, why didn't God just come out and show himself and just, mm -hmm. you know, show us who he is and just be plain about it? And oftentimes, if God were, well, all the time, if God were to do that, he would be violating our free will. And mm -hmm. in order to remain loving and to honor our free will, God remains just hidden enough to where if you seek, you find him but not so overtly plain as to take away the choice of people who mm -hmm. don't necessarily want to see the evidence, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So um, you and I were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. and you were talking about kind of a God playing a game of hide and seek, so, so to speak, or one of us were talking about mm -hmm. that earlier. And um, yeah. I don't know, so you can talk about that well, a little bit I more. I heard but. somebody <laughs> talk about playing hide and seek with your children, and when you have young children, the goal of hide and seek as the parent is not to be so good at hiding to be like, haha, idiot. Like, yeah. you couldn't find me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, the, the goal is you hide because you want to be found mm -hmm. and you want them to have that experience. And going back to, oh, what you were saying about the prodigal son, there's much rejoicing in that moment yeah. when it happens. You know, the dad picks up the child and has a thing. And so, this one, I think it was a pastor or some book I read where he talked about. Uh, when he plays hide and seek, he would always leave like his foot or his hand just a little bit like outside of the curtain or something, hidden well enough that if the kid, you know, was wanting to be in the game where they're not really looking, they're just running around and not slowing down to look, that they may not see it. But if they want to find him, mm. he's easily found. And I think that goes to the whole point you're talking about of free will. Of yeah. um, and similar, I heard someone once say that God allows us to see certain things as 
coincidence or, or things that we can explain away that's really God revealing himself to us, but he allows it with this kind of veil that I can explain it away if I want to because he allows us to be controlled or governed by whatever it is we want. And so if I really want to believe I'm the end-all, be-all and that yeah. this life is all it is, well, then I, in free will, God allows me to say, well, then that's just a coincidence. That's nothing that hasn't been explained. But if I want to really say, no, I want God to, to reign in my life and mm -hmm. to rule, he allows me to see those things. As, oh, God's actively at work in my life. And yeah. so I think parables exist in that same yes. space. They exist in that same thing. And Jesus even says that at one point. He does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he makes a statement of, you know, he quotes an Old Testament prophet who says, you know, when I speak, their, their eyes are going to be blinded and they're not right. going to see and they're not going to understand. It was sort of a looking forward to that. There will be some who seek it out. They do see it. They do hear it. They do understand it. Others don't. Um, and it's really more about the person than it is. It reminds me of a conversation that I just had with, you reminded me of a conversation I just had with, several times with my kids, when something like a coincidence will happen or we'll talk about something that seems very odd or coincidental. I don't, I don't have any better example other than I was talking to my daughter about, you know, that idea that, the earth is just uh, far enough away from the sun to where we don't, mm -hmm. you know, freeze, but then just close enough to where we don't burn up. And if we were to move either direction, then, and I, and I said, isn't it interesting? I said this to my daughter. I said, isn't that a coincidental that we're sitting right in the, the spot where we can thrive and have life? I said, I wonder how that kind of thing just happens. Mm -hmm. And I intentionally did that sort of sarcastically, but I didn't want to just come out and say, now that's because God put it there. Right, I yeah. just wanted her to think. And so we had, and she kind of smiled at me and she said, yeah, that is a coincidence, isn't it? And her and I both got it at right, that moment. Right. But we didn't have to say it. It was just, and I wanted to see her reaction to that. It, it just reminded me that I've had several of those conversations yeah. with my daughters when something happens in our lives and I'll go, isn't that coincidental? I wonder how that just winds up happening that way. And they'll kind of smile and go, yeah, you know, it's God. Yep. So, but anyway. Okay. Any other thing on that question? Any other thoughts? I just think in all those kind of things, because I certainly have wrestled with that sometimes where yeah. you're reading through something, you're like, oh, I just don't get it. And I think the first thing is always to remember what you said of, it's, you know, it's written for us, but it's not written to mm -hmm. us. That I have to remember, the, the first step may just be there's something in this I don't understand. Like and, and that who is he speaking to? I yeah. think there's yeah. just a lot of times that he's intentionally speaking. So, so there's, mm -hmm. I, the one I think of is the parable of the sowers, and it's really clear mm -hmm. it was confusing to everybody. So confusing. And he quotes Isaiah mm -hmm. afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, let him who has ears hear, mm -hmm. you know. And then... The disciples who do want to know come to him and goes, why? Basically, yeah. this question: Why do you teach in parables? Mm -hmm. And then he goes, Because of this passage from Isaiah, I'm trying mm -hmm. to judge people's motives, yeah. which goes back to the soils. He's yes. saying, I threw these soil, and some people received it, and some people didn't yeah. receive it, and some it sprang up and then it went out. It's all about the heart that finds reception. Mm. That's what I think. I think he's it, it's. But then there are others that he tells to be illustrate, and mm -hmm. people get it. There's mm -hmm. really clear what he was teaching in yeah. those. It was an illustration. And there are others that he's trying to keep from being crucified before he's crucified. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, yeah. he's got other things to do, and the yeah. leaders will ask him something, and he'll make a point directly to them, and they know it, but he's in front of the crowd, and, they I mean, he's, he's uber direct to them. Yeah, they they know it. exactly what he's saying because they go away furious, yeah. but the crowd doesn't get it. 
Mm-hmm. And because he's talking in their language and very, you know, high level spiritual language to them. Mm-hmm. I remember this so one. Pr- that's why I think it's important to remember who's being spoken to. Yes. There's one in particular, I believe it's from the book of John, where Jesus starts talking about, he says, hey, so, so suppose a king goes out with an army and he doesn't take enough uh, troops to, into battle with, with him in, in, into battle. And, and so he gets, he gets defeated and, he, and, and all this kind of stuff. And he's kind of like setting up this story. But if you look back in the history, that's exactly what King Herod did. It was right. A, right. He's, he's yes. making direct, it'd be like us making a point about the impeachment trial. Yes. That's right. very much what he was right. doing. He decided to use a current event thing. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a parable to us. Not. It did not sound like a parable to them. And not to the king. When he would have heard it, he would have went, wait a minute. Yes. Now you're calling me out. So Jesus is sounding like he's veiling some of this stuff, right. but he's not. It's know. the same thing with the coin and Caesar. When they come in, they're going to hook Correct. him on task, tax. People think he's really clever. He's actually nailing both of them because the Jews want to stand back and say, we shouldn't have to pay tax because we don't honor that and their coin. And all he does is say to the Jewish leader, Hey, you got a Roman coin in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. You're already honoring them by carrying yep. their stuff around. Mm-hmm. And the particular coin, I just read this recently, on one side had uh, the, the, Jew, uh, the Jewish leaders, they, had, they allowed their image to be put on the coin with Caesar. And he's going, well, I guess you'll just figure out what belongs to Caesar. Mm-hmm. They came to trap him, and he's like, yeah. huh. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to do that. Well, and I think, I think, I think the, other, the other thing you have to remember, too, because I, I struggle with I think we do this with almost everything. This will be our discipleship plug for the day. But All right. I, I, yeah. I, think, I think often my struggle in a lot of things is, and this is, was my view of God for most of my life, is that following God is just inherently very hard. It's just very difficult. You, you really can't do it very well. And God almost sometimes makes it a little more difficult. Like he asks you to do things that's like, oh, God, I don't want to do that. Why is he making it difficult? Everything's a test. Everything's people a test. People are like, everything's a everything. test. So, <coughs> you know, it's even, I always mm-hmm. make the joke of people talking about, oh, don't pray for patience, as if God was like, ha-ha, I trapped you. Here's the bad thing that you don't want, mm-hmm. when the truth is God wants to be found. Mm-hmm. God wants relationship with me. And Jesus wants me to follow him, and he wants all these good things that come out of it. He is not trying to make it extra difficult for me. He is a good God who wants these. So any of these things that are difficult for us to understand is not because Jesus is is looking at you going, I don't want you to know me, Mm -hmm. or I don't want a part of this. But when you spend time, and so you see these things that are confusing, at least on the surface to us, when when you just choose to say, I'm just going to go deeper in this. And what I mean by deeper is I'm just going to make a commitment to I'm going to be in the word. I'm going to be with Jesus in scripture and I'm going to be with other people talking about this where I've got this issue in my life and it feels so difficult, but I'm just not going to give up. I'm going to be persistent on this. You actually start, it changes your view of Jesus. It changes your view of God, changes your view of yourself. Everything starts to kind of come into right relationship. And so I think that a lot with the parables, there are lots of ones that I read and I felt like he's being... (laughs) intentionally obtuse like yeah. he's intentionally like just trying to trick me and i'm like this is but then the more you understand the heart of jesus that's not his point mm-hmm. that is never his his point is never i don't want you to find me mm-hmm. or i don't want you to know my heart his point is always i'm trying to draw you closer to me mm. and i'm trying to draw you in and so it's kind of a side point to the parable sure. thing but i think that's i think that's just important for all of us and i think discipleship so that's where the plug comes in discipleship did that to me when, when you make the commitment, I'm just going to read these. And so you read these parables over and over and over and over again. 
something does happen where they do slowly unlock different parts of it. And Absolutely. you may not get all the historical stuff. Mm -hmm. By no means are any of us saying you need to, everyone needs to go get some kind of scholarly degree on all these things. But you certainly will, uh, things will just unlock the more you spend time with Jesus and you understand his character and his heart. And so anyway, I think that's a huge part with all these kind of questions. Yeah. Even with the baptism thing, are just Jesus mm -hmm. is trying to draw you closer to him in obedience. Mm -hmm. Just answer the call and kind of move closer to him. So. All right. Let's move on to Sunday. Uh, Week two of our Jesus series uh, was Sunday, and uh, we got to talk about the temptation of Jesus and uh, what all that entails, and uh, Ed did an outstanding job oh. of teaching that yeah, to absolutely. us. And uh, so what I decided to do is I pulled out some quotes or points that you made on Sunday and just give us a chance to sort of comment on them, take them a little bit further than maybe you were able to on Sunday. Um, and the first one was, of course, what I thought was kind of like your definition for what a temptation really is and uh, what it's not. Uh, but you talked about how temptation is always an invitation to go further into self-interest. Yeah. And then, which made me ask the question to myself, okay, has there ever been a temptation that didn't do that? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find one. Yeah. <laughs> when The more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, they, they may ultimately wind up being against my self-interest, but when right. I am tempted to do them in the beginning, I think it is. I'm convinced it's going to be for my good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of it that you said of it, that it's, it, we know it's not ultimately for my self-interest, but you convince yourself that it is, mm -hmm. and you get into these things where, because if, if ultimately, and I love the way you said invitation to go further into self-interest, because that ultimately... If it, then the opposite of temptation is discipleship to Jesus because discipleship is an invitation to go further into Jesus and to go mm -hmm. further into this. And so temptation is going back to your thing about sin, whenever that was a couple weeks ago, yeah. of it's anything that violates the law of love and God is love, so that's leading me further away from Jesus. Temptation is this invitation to just move away, to break ways with discipleship to Jesus. And I heard one person say this about sin, and I thought it was so good when they said, sin's not wrong because God arbitrarily just picked things mm. that were wrong. It says sin is wrong because it does not correspond to reality. Hmm. Meaning, you think this thing is going to make me happy. I'm going to step outside of being faithful in my marriage, and that's going to make me happy, and you're just wrong. And mm -hmm. it feels like it's in my self-interest, yeah. but it's always against myself. And so it's not... or. I think lying about whatever this is, is is going to be what's going to make me happy or consuming in greed is going to, you know, all of this. And it all feels like this is mine. Mm -hmm. And it's not a sin because God just decided bop, 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 these, you know, whatever things are sinful. It's sinful because it does not correspond to the way the world actually works. Mm. And God designed our world to work where your life is better when you're loving and honest and all these things that are come from discipleship to Jesus. And that's what I loved about the thing of it's, when you said, it feels like it's in myself, because I think that's true. That's the yeah. lie of what temptation is. I feel like this is mm -hmm. what's good it's for It's really me. hard to turn off because of that, too. It's really hard if something's really deeply ingrained in me, because I think about, particularly, I've known, well, I could talk about things for myself, but I do that a lot. I think about people that I've tried to help through the years that, uh, you know, if you get really, really badly hurt by people, the natural thought is the way to keep, I have to take care of myself. I have to turn in right. And I must put up, I mean, really thick boundaries, yeah. mm -hmm. really thick boundaries so that that can't help it ha happen anymore. 
but inevitably you wind up in a place where you're, you, you only have you and you aren't, you aren't enough for you. And mm -hmm. You just, you don't even like the you that is in that little bound in right. world. You feel mm -hmm. alone, you feel more afraid than you did before. It doesn't make you feel secure. It, you know what I mean? I do. Inevitably yeah. the only solution is for you to take the risk and trust that what God has said is true is that I'm made to love. Mm -hmm. I am made to love. We are geared to love, to love God and people. And love is always a risk. Mm -hmm. it, it's that it can that it can turn against me. Mm -hmm. That's actually the second. You led me right into the second quote. Is something else you said is if you make your life all about you, you don't just hurt yourself. You lose yourself. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that's a Jesus of, quote. You yeah. Know, that's the Jesus thing yeah. of yeah. Eventually, if you if you pursue yourself long enough, eventually you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. No one can gain. You try to protect your own soul, and eventually you don't have anything. You just don't yeah. have anything. And I don't think that's, and I, I don't want people to take it to the extreme of saying that there are no boundaries no, with people. No, no, that's no, that's not what we mean no, when we no. say that. What I think what you were talking is the other extreme of too many boundaries. Oh yeah, because you can get to the place that I'm so codependent right. on trying to please everybody in, in the name of, I call it love, mm -hmm. that, uh, I'm really not loving the other person. I'm allowing them okay. to intrude in places they are. They are harming me, mm -hmm. but I am in effect by allowing that to happen, harming them too. Yep. Correct. Uh, it, it's a violation on both sides. Yes. I, there need to be some boundaries of saying these, these are my property lines. These are who <laughs> I am, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, it's a careful little balance. It is there. a balance. It is it a little is. balance there. But that's what most of life is. It is. Yeah. Most, most of life is figuring out well, how to walk think, that line. Well, I think I think that goes then to back to the point you made of sin is anything that violates the law of love is that's where I have to become very clear on love is anything that is 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 good for is is me working for the good of another person, including myself me. at times. Me. I am a person in that situation. Yes. And so, and that's where I think the temptation comes in. You know, some of us are. So I am not this person. I I have to work to put stronger boundaries in my life because I will I will end the feeling of. But it is good for me just to give and to give and to give and to be involved in all these yeah. you know whatever different things and all these different things. And I have to work to go. You know what? But it's not loving for me to do everything for this person because they at some point because that is not helping them to build up their own boundaries. Because I am for me doing things that they should be doing. I'm actually intruding. On their property, they should be they should be doing this. So there's certain things that I have to put boundaries up on. But then I know other people. I have people who are close to my life, like you said, who have whether it's even because they're hurt, just their personality. They have just put up such strong boundaries mm -hmm. that now they are not one doing for others as they should be doing for others, or they are not allowing other people to do for them as they should. And so it is this balance, but it is this matter of what is what is going to actually be good for them and good for me. And more often than almost any of us want to admit, those things actually almost always coincide. Mm -hmm. That it is good for me, it is good for me to put up this boundary because yes, it does protect me, but it also now forces me, you know, them not to be codependent on me. And now they may have to go and figure out, mm -hmm. oh, I need to start doing this thing for myself or, you know, vice versa. Now I can let down my walls a little bit. Now this person gets to serve me, which is good for them. And uh, either way it goes, yeah. but... It, it isn't this thing of I have to sacrifice my good for the good of others. That is a temptation in and of, it, of itself that will lead to something. Mm -hmm. It is this lie that I believe that I'm going to sacrifice. Yeah. In the end, if Jesus wants me to love them, that is for my good. It's mm -hmm. not just for their good. It's also for my good. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, here's the. Uh, you oh, want, yeah. you I want to say something say else? The, the tough part of that is really, and I go back to this, what we talked about again. I, th I think we've talked about it a couple of times now. Really getting a clear definition on what love is yes. is really, really important. Because yeah. love is my will directed toward your good. But I can't. It, my feelings about that get meshed up in there too. Mm -hmm. Some of us like being heroes, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I, I have that kind of thing and, you know, want to pull everybody out of the fire and all that kind of stuff. Other people, you know, want to serve and become the person that's, you know, sitting underneath everybody mm -hmm. and supporting yeah. everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's not really loving, it's, it's me, it's feeding yeah. me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even though other people might pat me on the back, go, oh, man, mm -hmm. you're just so, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, isn't that the beauty, too, of what we talked about either last week or something of the beauty of Jesus? <laughs> and even with this, with the parables, Jesus' life being just a story and not a set of teachings is, you know, we can look. And a, lot, a lot of people have it read at their wedding, 1 Corinthians 13, where you read all these love is patient. But even within some of that, some of us start to kind of twist those because it's sort of thinking, well, I am being this and I'm being that. But then when yeah. you... When you look at Jesus, who is love, mm -hmm. and I see how he treats people, and I see that, and the more in discipleship, I spend time reading those stories, and they get to be a part of me, I can almost begin to imagine Jesus in my circumstance. And mm -hmm. what, so what, how would I see Jesus do this? Mm -hmm. I think it's huge. Yep. So the other thing that I wanted us to talk about from the message came from the uh, where Jesus is being tempted. You were making the point of when Jesus was being tempted to, uh, you know, throw yourself down and God will mm -hmm. save you mm -hmm. and you know or, or all this kind of stuff and and you made the point of once because Jesus pointed this out to the tempter he said you don't test God you don't put him to the test and then you made the statement of when you start to do that when you start to manipulate God put God to the test you're not practicing Christianity anymore now you've dipped into the area of magic or superstition or mm -hmm. something even worse and it just made me think because you know this about me, I, I, I like I like watching, for better or worse, I, I enjoy watching Christian TV sometimes just for the just for the novelty of it, just to yeah. laugh. I sometimes. didn't know you still did that. I don't. I haven't in a long, long time. <laughs> you used to do it. All I used the time. to do it all the time, just because it made me laugh, and then and then it would just make me angry, which is not good. Yeah. Uh, but I used to see this so much in a lot of the, those Christian TV programs was. You know, there's this promise that God made, and all you got to do is just repeat the promise back to God, and you yeah. got him. Yeah. He's going to do it for you, and he's yeah. stuck. And it just, it, that frustrates me to no end because it is a clear violation of what Jesus said there. And I love the way you made the point of, you know, because we, we are invited to call him our father. And that's not how a father works. And I know this for myself. Even when I have told my kids that I will do something for them, if circumstances change later or if, if I now see something has changed about that that would not be the best for my kid, ain't no way they're going to get me to do it, even if they quote me back what I said. And I say, I know what I said, but that's not the right thing to do now. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and once I started seeing God from that perspective, I realized, okay, now, you know. Well, I think the other interesting thing that often gets happened with the promises in the Bible is, uh, so this happens with parenting too, because, you know, I had three kids, you have two kids, you have four kids. <laughs> so uh, you will make a promise to a kid, mm -hmm. and it's completely legitimate for that kid. Yeah. And then the other kid says, but you said to, 
And I go, well, yeah, but that mm -hmm. promise you're quoting to me mm -hmm. wasn't for you. That's right. And I see so many people, they take something, they go, it says here God has this, 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 and this. And I go, yeah, and if you want to go into captivity into Babylon, yeah. that yes. might apply to you. Yeah. But, you know, it, yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't really apply to you since you're not in captivity in Babylon. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't be quoting that back to God. Now that you brought that up, that, that is another pet peeve of mine. Is, is We do tend to take Old Testament verses out of context as Christians today. Yeah. We read something that God said to the nation of Israel in a certain time, in a certain place that he would do, and then we go, oh, well, he's going to do that yeah. for us. And yes. that wouldn't was written for you, not to you. Exactly. You know? And I'm not saying there aren't great principles in the Old Testament that we learn from. That's not the point. It's, it's that we sometimes take those as, well, I have, now that's mine. Well, and well I, I do think to some degree the point you just made is almost the point, which is a lot of the things we think are promises are actually principles of things mm -hmm. that God's saying, hey, you know, you know, reap what you sow or something like that, where that's a principle of the way life works. That doesn't mean if you're a good person, nothing bad ever happens to you. We all, we all know that that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. but, but that's the way we often view it. And going back to your kid thing, you, everyone has those at some point with your kid where you say, hey, if you do this kind of stuff, this is what's going to happen in your life. And, this is, and you're really trying to teach them a principle about how you're mm -hmm. going to relate to them or how the world's going to relate. But you're certainly not saying, and you can, you can come back to me in 30 years, mm -hmm. and I now owe you a debt for all these things because that wasn't the purpose. And it yeah. does take away from this relational, <clears throat> conversational relationship that we're meant to have with God, which is ultimately, like you said, that he's our father and that I'm in this relationship and there are times he's promising me things, but those are pretty clear, the times he says, I'm going, you know, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And those things in Jesus are, are, are revealed in the way that Jesus relates to us. And so, anyway, I think that's a huge part of it. It's a, it's a really, it's a real problem. No. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a real problem. I find with people, I find people losing their grip on God, the church, faith in general, over this thing of uh, they thought God promised them something yeah. that He did not, and they blame they blame Him. Yeah. You know, and He didn't actually say it to them, mm -hmm. and uh, it's. It's one of those things I just hate the way that we've taken the whole thing and, and we've tried to break the Bible into these little pithy statements that are for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, that's, yeah. Yeah. It's not the way it's intended. Like, all right, I just saw a quote online that, that is a, such a great inspirational quote that there is truth in. And it went something like this. It was, if you find yourself standing in front of a Goliath, then that means that God believes there's a David within you. Okay, maybe, maybe. but there were the, other guys who also stood across from Goliath that were and that David that were not David. Yeah, and so what I want to say is, okay, look, the story of David and Goliath was not about you. No, it was about two individuals at a certain time in history yeah. that God did something there. Now, can we can we learn something from yeah. David about courage and faith in God? Yes. Can we learn something about how not to react from the guys who, you know, were scared to go against him? Yes, we can, we can learn good things for our life. But don't go in saying, well, okay, if I stand in front of a big giant of a problem and I attack it, God's going to come through like he did for David because that's what he always does. No, that's not what he always does. Yeah, exactly. That's what he did then, but you weren't there. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I'm not, 
if you saw that meme like I did online and you got a lot of you know inspiration from it, I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying it's bad to be out there. I just, I just think we need to put a little more thought into some of these things that we say that often try to loop God into, okay, God, if you did then what you did then, then you have to do for me now. And those promises were never made to me. I feel particularly bad for people who are in situations with illness. Mm -hmm. uh, me too. Mm -hmm. I feel particularly bad in those situations <laughs> because everybody dies of the last illness they have. That's right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's 100% true. Yeah. And we, we aren't getting out of this place alive, no matter how much faith we, we have, unless Jesus returns. Every, mm -hmm. Everybody's going to pass through that. Mm -hmm. So acting like I can just call on God, call on God, call on God, and he promised, he promised, he promised. Fact is, I, I don't know where that promise is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> does he heal diseases? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Have I absolutely. seen people healed? Oh, I yeah. I Me have. too. Me too. I have seen that happen. Uh -huh. I'm just saying, you have to put your faith in the good, the good heart of a father who's for yeah. all of us. He is completely for us. But he's not going to always do what you think should happen. No, mm -hmm. and I think that gets back to the same thing of treating it like magic or superstition. Also, <clears throat> it's not it's not the view of God we see in Jesus, where Jesus talks in other places where he says, you know, how many of you, if you ask your if you if your child asks you for a, a, a fish or whatever, you're going to give them a snake. This is idea of well, then I've got to ask in the right way, or mm -hmm. I've got to well, what, say it in the right way, you know, because I tell my kids you should say please, but I'm also not going to go, oh, you know, mm -hmm. you didn't, you know, there may be. If they go, Daddy, please give me heroin. Yes, yeah, you, okay, yeah, you, that's a good thing. You, you aren't going to. Okay. All right, got me. You said please. That's the magic word. Right, yes. Yeah. Yes. And there, yes, and there are times they're asking me for things, but because I know the heart behind it and they didn't exactly say please, there are other times I go, you know, I'm going to give it to them anyway because God is a being. And we are a being, which means we have a relationship. But he ultimately is ultimate goodness and love. And anything that he's doing for us is for our good, even, like you said, if it's not. I think all of it comes down to, at least for me, and this is the way it, all of that comes down to, I want to feel control in the situation. Yes. And if I can pray the right way and say the right thing, mm -hmm. then there is a way for me to control this. Not that I have to trust that God has my best intent. Mm -hmm. Control's an illusion. Yeah. Yep. And trying to figure that out, I, there's no, I don't, I, I, I decided to follow, and the follower can never step in front mm -hmm. yes. and go, you have to lead over there. Yeah. I've often heard people tell me, you know, well, you know, here, and they'll point to things in Scripture, Jesus did this because so-and-so had faith, and he, he healed people because of their faith. But, but I point them right to some other places where people had faith, and, you know, his best friend was sick and they came and told him and Jesus said, no, I'm going to stay here for a few more days. Exactly. And they didn't understand why he wasn't heading toward his friend Lazarus and he said, no, we're going to stay here. And he literally let his friend die. Mm -hmm. And that didn't make any sense to anybody. Mm -hmm. and including, including the sister who confronts him who right confronts away him. and says, That's hey, right. we called, you didn't come. You didn't yeah. do it. And he said, yeah, I know. And you just need to hang on. You know, yeah. but that... I feel like that's sort of where we're at in a lot of that kind of thing. So, all right. Last thing that hit me from the message that I thought was good, and it might be a point that most people, maybe you missed. Um, you talked about how they make a reference, uh, the, the writer of, of that account makes a reference to when Jesus fasted for the 40 days. 
he was then hungry. And you made the point of, they said that for, he said that for a reason because the dilemma in their day about Jesus is the opposite from it, what it is today. Today, we struggle in our culture to, to prove that Jesus is divine, that he is God. In theirs, it was the opposite. They knew he was God because they saw what he did. They were struggling to prove whether or not he was human. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought that was a great dichotomy that you set up right there. So I don't know if you have anything else you want to say about that. but don't really, but that, that is the place they were in. In most, in most of the New Testament, that's the problem. Yeah. Yes. They, they are pretty clear that Jesus was divine. They even get so far in the later epistles where they, they don't think anything in the body we do in the body matters that's because right. the body's just spirit. And, and, and all, I mean, the body is physical, and it's only our spirit that matters. So, you know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. that, full-blown Gnosticism. Gnosticism. There's the word. That's, that's a big, one. That's a good that's one. A big biblical word. Biblical. No, well, not biblical, theological. We had word. to go to Bible college to learn yeah, that word. You learned that in Bible I college. I did not so. know that word before. <laughs> and nobody cared. No, nobody cared. But that was a deal that they were trying to combat in the first century was that idea of Gnosticism, yeah. that the body and the, everything physical is bad and only the spirit matters. And so they were trying to, they were trying to show, no, 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 no. Jesus inhabited a body. He yeah. was real. And and I think that also that's why many times in the, um, in the scriptures they will talk about, uh, especially after the resurrection, the, the writer will make sure that he points out Jesus ate breakfast mm -hmm. in front of right. them. He touched them. They handled mm -hmm. his body so that he, he lets them know, no, no, no. When he resurrected, it wasn't a spiritual resurrection. They were there. They touched him. They, he ate food. His body functioned like yours did. Just to bring that point out of his humanity, which I, I just Well, love. and then to the but, other side, to, to the point you were making is we struggle often with the, the divinity part. Mm -hmm. I do think we live in a very, and I think Western culture is more this way. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand more and stuff that I'm reading and understanding Eastern culture is not as much this way, but we really have an idea that in order to be intellectual, I have to almost have this anti-supernatural bias. Yeah. That what it means to be intellectual is I only believe <coughs> what I can find out through the natural world is is that way. But we, I mean, we understand in other ways. I don't, I don't fully buy that there are many people who fully buy into that only because we know there are certain things that I can't figure out in the natural world. Like why there is this altruistic love that exists, whether or not, whether or not you would call yourself a believer in God or even any of this stuff. Everyone admits there is something in me that when a fire, a, a, a building is burning and there's a child in the building, there's something that makes me want to run in there that has nothing to do with the propagation of the species. Like there's something <laughs> that makes me understand, oh, I need to go do something for that. And there's nothing that naturally makes a ton of sense on that, but it makes me want to do it. But I think that's it. I think a lot of us now, so I see Jesus and nearly all historians agree there was a man named Jesus who lived. The argument no longer is whether there was a man named Jesus who lived in Palestine at this time who was crucified. That's no longer the... And that sparked a movement of followers. Mm -hmm. yeah. No one's denying that on a historical no. thing. So we now go, well, there probably was a guy named Jesus. And these teachings certainly came from somewhere. And so mm -hmm. we get that, but there tends to be this other part of it that goes, I don't know. And, and I feel all those same things of, well, it just seems weird. Like when you hear about healings and miracles that makes you want to go, oh, mm, I don't know, mm, that feels a little, there's got to be, but I think we have to at least admit we don't necessarily have the same, you know, yeah. Gnostic uh, yeah. bias. We have an anti-supernatural, mm, yeah, if yeah. there is a God, he exists, he's never going to interact with what happens in mm -hmm. the natural world. Mm -hmm. And the benefit of this Jesus is greater series is what we do see is, no, it all comes to this point, this mm -hmm 
climax at one person, at Jesus. Yep. You get yep. both. Yep. All right. Anything else from Sunday that y'all thought of and wanted to bring up? I really enjoyed the uh, I Surrender All experience as well. I, I thought that Me was too. really impactful. Uh, it, uh, again, just hearing all of us together say that was really impactful. I didn't get to sit in it in one service, and then I intentionally did the other two and uh, that I was in. It was, it was really powerful. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that experience. Another one of those examples of if you only watched it online, yeah, you, you might not yeah. Have, You might yeah. not have gotten everything that... Yeah. Was in the room. It's good stuff happening in the room. Yeah. And we've got another one this week, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. So one thing I thought was great from your message, which I know almost everyone picks up on in future messages going forward, is when you talk about Jesus and temptation. And then and I thought you did a great job of showing back when he's quoting this, he's referring to, oh, this is ancient Israel in the wilderness as well, mm -hmm. and these kind of things. And this is something that's picked up on the, in the life of Jesus. And towards the end of the series, just because that's what we're writing right now, so I'm <laughs> thinking about it, it really comes to this conclusion of Jesus throughout his life is making this parallel between him and ancient Israel yeah. and him and Moses. And he keeps going to all the things Israel failed to do because when mm -hmm. they were in the wilderness mm. and they were tested, they failed. Mm. They didn't, they, yep. they went into the temptation, they didn't trust God, but Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40, and days. For 40 days. They were there for, for 40, 40 years. years. Yep. So there's all these parallels, and he's quoting back to that. And it's almost like this dramatic play when you... when you And once again, that's stuff that there's no reason you should necessarily know that ahead of time, but yeah. it's one of those things that when you do understand that, you see Jesus is saying, I'm setting up something new, mm -hmm. and I'm coming... And it's the fulfillment of all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. it's so that when he says it's finished, it's finished. it it's finished. didn't mean he just was breathing his last. Yes. It's finished. That's done. And so that gets yes. picked up a lot, and you'll see this as we go through, that there is this, he, and, it, and it does, it, it burns the religious leaders over and mm -hmm. over again. Anytime he compares himself to Moses or compares himself to the temple or compares himself, all these new things is Jesus going, and God had promised all these things. There's going to be a new temple, and there's going to be a new covenant, and there's going to be a, you know all yep. this kind of stuff. And so I, that, I, when I was just listening to you, just because I'm in the process of writing some of my stuff and I've read you guys' stuff, that thing... For those of you who enjoy that part of it, uh, you're going to see it more and more and that, more. And oh more. yeah, that's going yeah. to become more and more and yeah. more true. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where the title of the series comes from. Jesus is greater. He and was then all the stuff that came before. He's fulfilling all of that, which yep. we're going to get into in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, this Sunday. You're, yeah, you're up. I'm up, and I'm going to be talking about a, a story that most Christians have heard before and uh, been puzzled by, to quite honestly, because uh, it's the story of how Jesus called his very first disciples. There's mm -hmm. that old story, you know, you remember when, if you grew up in church like I did, Jesus just walked up to these fishermen and said, hey, y'all follow me, and they went, hey, okay, and they just dropped everything, and their dad was left, you know, holding the nets, and they just left, and it's like, that was a little insensitive, but there's more to the story than what you might have thought, so I'm going to teach through that a little bit and show how it reveals something about God that Jesus was showing us that many of us get wrong, and I won't spoil it, so that maybe you'll listen. Be yeah. here. Be here. Yeah. So, all right, um, now we come to the top five, top and it, five. it is Ed's turn to do the top five. And all right, he, so I am uh, doing top five, and let's see if my computer is still uh, active and battery powered you up. You've brought props. I brought a prop for us, and Joel is our, hey, Joel. Our producer. Thanks, thanks Joel. Y'all don't know, but we're thankful for him. He is going to play full clips of these, but it was a Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, one of the things that lots of people like uh, is not only the game, but the commercials. And so I have gone in and uh, I have picked out my top five favorite 
Super Bowl commercials. Nice. All right. All right. So, and we're going to do them in order. And Joel's going to play you guys a clean version. We're not going to play the whole thing because some of them are a little long, and you can find them if you didn't get to see these. So my top five is one. It's a product <coughs> I really, really like. Okay. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I thought it was just really clever. Here we go. Let's play. Number five is the Reese's Take Five commercial. Mm. What's that? Reese's Take Five bar. Chocolate, peanuts, caramel, peanut butter, pretzels. Never heard of it. Where have you been? Under a rock? New to me. <laughs> what, were you born yesterday? Raised by wolves? Are you clueless? Hmm? Head in the sand? That's offensive, Trish. Yeah, Trish. You from another planet? Oh, Trish, none of us have heard of Take 5, so who looks stupid now? Reese's Take 5, the best bar you've... Well, uh, so, uh, one, I thought it was really clever. I loved how it all went about, and then I thought, well, I heard a lot of people take on the, on the uh, halftime show. That last part was really uh, not family-friendly. Not at all. <laughs> a little edgy. No, no, no. A little edgy on the I end. I liked it. I didn't hear anybody saying that. I thought it was funny, but, uh -huh. you know. walking around with a head somewhere, somewhere else. Somewhere. Not, not in the sand. Not in the sand. <laughs> not in the sand. That's number five. That was a good one. I we actually laughed. Like, I laughed out loud at that one. I've never had to take five bar. Oh, I taste. haven't either. Oh, it's so... So what were they saying? It's, it's caramel? It's a... Uh, is Reese's, it's like the regular Reese's, so you got chocolate, you got peanut, or you got caramel, and then a layer of pretzels underneath that. Mm -hmm. So it's got a little crunch. It's it's delicious. Speaking of pretzels, Why did is it you called take five? Aren't those only four things? Peanut butter, chocolate. There's probably pretzels. something I'm he missed something. I, I am not a representative okay, of the Reese's. He missed I think something. that's a Mars product. I they did not hire okay. me for anything. Right, I'm just asking. But speaking of pretzels, did you see there was a commercial and I didn't I didn't like the commercial, but they now make Pop Tarts with pretzels? Oh, so yeah, was, that oh, just sounded weird to me. At the Super Bowl party I was at on Sunday, someone was telling me that they had them, and they said it's amazing because it's they have a chocolate one, they have a um, the brown sugar cinnamon. You know, uh -huh. those are kind of the popular ones. That they said it tastes like a brown sugar cinnamon pretzel. That if you hmm. heat them up, that those aren't ones you can eat cold. You heat them up in the toaster, you get them out. It tastes like a pretzel. I that, you intrigued. know what? That gives me an idea right now for my next. Oh, oh here we go. That was really, really good. Here we go. There was one I didn't make that I, I bet some of you did. You all see the Rick and Morty uh, Pringles one? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. Right. So this That's is number, not one of my top five. Though. This is number four right this here. This is number four. Let's play it, Joel. Come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> I've got new Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. Same refreshing taste as the original. But without any of the sugar! Oh! Here's Mountain Dew Zero. I am thirsty. Huh? Up there, Joe. <coughs> so one, I love Brian Cranston anyway. He's a good you guy. wouldn't think anybody could do yeah. Jack Nicholson, but I thought he did really good. He did a great job. And Tracy Ellis Ross is the other lady in there. I'm a big fan of Blackish, Black so I love her. Sure. You know, she's wonderful. I don't know if everyone knows this. She's Diana Ross's daughter. I did, did not know that, that until she's, just recently. She's Diana Ross's daughter. So once again, at the Super Bowl party, we said that, and I said Diana Ross, and I was hanging out. I mean, I'm a young, I'm a young. You're fellow, young. I was hanging out with even younger people at the, uh, at the. Uh, and Diana Ross is older than me. <coughs> yeah, yeah, and so I said Diana Ross, and they said, what does Diana Ross sing? So then we just played a bunch of Diana Ross nice. songs, which was a nice one. And did they know them? Surprise. Yeah, they knew, they knew I'm coming out, but they knew the Biggie, Mo Money, Mo Problems, which sampled. 
which is also way too old for them. But they uh, they knew that version, the one that's in all the commercials now. And then they know they uh, they did know um, one of the Supremes. I was trying to think of which one that they they knew. Uh, they knew Baby Love. Oh, okay. So they knew that. But then there were a couple others that they didn't know as well. So cool. anyway, she was the stuff in the day. Yeah. Yep. All right. So then, uh, let's play. This was my this one. I could, these top three, I could have gone in any order, but I have them in the order I really like. Let's play this uh, one with a little Nas. Make your move, cowboy. I got the horses in the bag, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black to match. Riding on a Right there, Joel. So if you didn't see the whole thing, Little Nas wins. Which oh, he does. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but you know, you, you can't mess with Sam Elliott. No, no. that dude's awesome. Old yeah. grumbly yeah. cowboy boy. When I think cool, I think <laughs> yeah, you're Sam not wrong. Elliott. But I like I like that one a lot. Yeah, that's fun. Little Nas X. University of West Georgia graduate right there. Or no. not, not a graduate. Maybe, I don't know that. Oh, he I didn't know that? that? But he went to University I of West know Georgia. So. Did not know that. that. There you go. All right. Go. So there, I, I like that one. So then, this one was number two, almost number one. I had to reverse them several times. Uh, let's play Jason. It's my sanctuary. It's the one place oh, I can let my guard down. It's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. And that feels pretty darn good. Oh. Let's stop it right there. I think that's a good place on the big reveal of each. But I, I will say this: that's one of those commercials. If you don't watch to the end, you still you do not know what he's uh, advertising. No, oh, no, yeah, you wouldn't no, know. No. I mean, he says Rocket Mortgage, but yeah, you can't necessarily figure out why. Honestly, the first time I saw it, I didn't hear that clearly. I was just watching it, and I was like, "Where is this going? What are they promoting? I don't get it." It was and one that I remember. Later in the day, I still remember oh, me that too. commercial. Me too. Really? And you'll miss the lovely Lisa Bonet, who's Lisa at, the Bonet's end of the, at the very at the end, very end helping, uh, him, helping I didn't him know him. they were married. I suspected when they, she showed up, she must be married. They are married. Yeah. So <coughs> him and Lenny Kravitz, who used to be married to Lisa yeah. Bonet, they're, 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 they're pals. So, so, oh, are they? So huh. you, you not only get to marry Lisa Bonet, you get to be friends with Lenny Kravitz. Well, which there is, you go. Wow. Which Lenny's pretty cool. Lenny Kravitz yeah, is cool. a cool guy. He could have been on the Cool Ranch. He could have been. All right. I always had a crush on So my number one favorite Super Bowl commercial. Let's play it, Joel. Little Caesars delivery. That's the best thing since sliced bread. We got a problem. There's a new best thing. Okay, new ideas. Go. Travel size bread. Sparkle bread. Bread insurance. Magnetic bread. What? Dear Lord. Run the numbers. I ran the numbers. Well, run them again. You can do this. Come on, come on, come on. Talk to me. Go out there and leave. Thin slices, thick slices, diagonal slices. <laughs> yes, this might work. This might... What? No, no. <laughs> right there, Joel. So oh, that's awesome. I didn't see that one. I missed, I missed that one, too. That's my favorite one. I love Rain Wilson, first yes. of all. I think he's very, very creative. Good. 
I love the scene where he's totally lost it and the ostrich is running through the office. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the ostrich running through the office? Because it's chaos. <laughs> it's just chaos. It's just chaos. Somebody left the ostriches loose. <laughs> I love it. They just had them waiting for the some other purpose. The best oh They let them go. And you know what's funny about that phrase is, I saw this, the TV was invented the same year as sliced bread. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sliced bread is the, is the standard of <laughs> yeah. the coolest thing. That, Not oh, anymore. Little Caesar's Now delivery. Little Caesar's delivery. I will say I've had Little Caesars delivery. And have you? Yeah, it's pretty good. You can get it through. I don't know. I don't know. They may have a separate organization, but like uh, DoorDash and them. No, no, no. They're delivering on their own now. That oh, was the go. big of the commercial. That was the big thing. That was the big thing. So I haven't had a delivery guy from that, but I've had some DoorDash delivery. So those are my top five of uh, Super Bowl commercials. I did see also the Google commercial, which was really, really touching, which is a true story if you didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I, saw, I didn't know that at the time, but yep. I learned it the day afterwards. I did too. So that's a good one if you have Did you see the one where uh, they, I, I, it caught my eye because of the whole Greek thing, because I took Greek in Bible college where they oh, defined yeah, 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 love, yeah. the three loves. And, and it was a dang insurance company. I know. I thought of all the people who don't love you, that's <laughs> insurance, right. insurance, they don't do any of those for yes. <laughs> They just want your money. Yeah. yeah. I geeked out on it, and my yeah. daughter was sitting there, and I was like, oh, look. You know, she's like, why are you excited yeah, about that? I was like, because it's in Greek, and I, like, took Greek, and I know Greek because the Bible's written in Greek. And I, she just kind of looked at me like, you nerd. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. I thought, what are they going to do with this Greek language thing? And then I got to thinking, I go, really? Insurance? Yeah. Stop a insurance. Yeah. It was good until that point. We upped your premium, and we lowered what we're going to pay out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> in Inaction. Insurance. Okay. <laughs> All right, <coughs> excuse me. I think that I think that does it for us today. I think so so uh, we'll thanks for watching. Hey, don't forget if you want to send us a question. Which, by the way, we have reached the end of the we questions that questions. you've sent us. So if you got questions, make sure you send them to us. The link is in the description. So send us more questions. Give us more to talk about, and we'll be back next week. See ya. See ya.